This is a repost of Joseph Mercola's article, Hospitalized COVID Patients Are Being Overtreated to Death, published on February 16th, 2022. And if you wish to independently verify this information, I recommend looking at Elizabeth Vlet, V-L-I-E-T, M-D, and her Truth for Health Foundation. Story at a glance. Around the U.S., COVID-19 patients are being killed by inappropriate medical protocols, and most have no choice about their treatment. They have been stripped of their patients' rights. COVID patients may be denied basic drugs like antibiotics and steroids. They are sometimes not even given nutrition and fluids, which is a crime during wartime. These patients are instead frequently treated with remdesivir, narcotics, and mechanical ventilation, which can be fatal. Hospitals are given cash by the federal government for COVID testing, COVID diagnoses, and COVID hospital admissions. They are also rewarded separately for prescribing remdesivir, mechanical ventilation, and even for the fatalities. The Canadian press reports that COVID-19 patients are often given excessive doses of medications such as opioids, benzodiazepams, anticholinergics. These may all be lethal. And in the U.S., And in the UK, nursing homes have been accused of killing COVID patients using midazolam, which is a powerful sedative. Patient neglect, mistreatment, overtreatment, and the COVID jabs have resulted in massive disability and deaths. Deaths among working-age Americans, that's 18 to 64, in the third quarter of 2021 were 40% higher than pre-pandemic rates. Compare that to the 15.4% increase seen between 2019 and 2020, which was reported as the highest life insurance payout increase in 100 years. The unthinkable is happening in America's hospitals. COVID-19 patients have little say so in the treatment they receive, and some are dying because of inappropriate protocols. They've been stripped of their patient rights. Some are refused basic drugs like antibiotics and steroids, and sometimes nutrition and fluids are being denied. The Geneva Convention states that even prisoners of war must be provided necessities such as food. COVID patients are instead frequently overtreated with dangerous and ineffective therapies such as remdesivir, narcotics, and mechanical ventilation. This combination often results in death. The first section is entitled Medical Kidnapping for Profit. Benjamin Gord was a perfectly healthy man who was in a car accident. He claims he was given an unknown knockout drug by a paramedic and woke up on life support in a COVID ward. He was unharmed from the accident, so he yanked out the breathing tube by himself. When he demanded to know why he'd been placed on mechanical ventilation, the staff told him he was being treated for COVID. In other cases, patients have been given COVID care, like like this, even though they came in for something else and have no COVID symptoms. Many are also being denied hospital release, and so are almost held as prisoners. Many are unable to refuse treatment. Some COVID patients are forced to accept inappropriate do-not-resuscitate orders. Others are given potent sedative combinations such as morphine, fentanyl, and midazolam. Doctors call these, quote, euthanasia cocktails, unquote. This medical kidnapping and mistreatment of patients against their will has become widespread. Human rights attorney Thomas Rents asked the Truth for Health Foundation to set up the, quote, COVID care strategy team, 
to help families take their loved ones out of hospitals where they are being held captive. The next section is Federal Payments Incentivize Patient Deaths. How could this have happened? Hospitals are receiving money to overtreat COVID patients, and they sometimes die. Here are their incentives. A bonus for COVID testing and COVID diagnoses. Hospitals receive a 20% quote bonus in addition to standard hospital fees if they treat a COVID patient. Bonus for admission of anyone diagnosed as a COVID patient. Bonus for use of remdesivir. The U.S. government pays hospitals a bonus when they use this. It is in addition to the routine 20% that pharma companies pay for drugs used in hospitals. Remdesivir was tested for Ebola in 2014, but it didn't work, and it caused many fatalities. In early 2020, testing was begun for COVID. Life-threatening side effects were found including kidney failure and liver damage. Despite the hazards and ineffectiveness, the FDA authorized remdesivir for emergency use against COVID in May 2020. Full approval was granted in October 2020. Bonus for mechanical ventilation. According to some whistleblowers, this kills 84.9% of COVID patients within as few as 96 hours. Bonus for COVID deaths. In August 2020, former director of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Robert Redfield, confirmed that hospitals had a financial incentive to overcount COVID deaths. Patients effectively have a bounty on their heads. According to Renz, hospitals receive a minimum of $100,000 extra for each COVID patient if they use remdesivir and ventilation. The hospitals that refuse to obey this protocol and use drugs such as ivermectin, antibiotics, and steroids forfeit the extra payments. At the start of the pandemic, hospitals were losing revenues from routine care and elective surgeries that had, been, had declined. So these COVID incentives were initially justified as a way to make sure that they didn't get financially penalized. But the payment scheme has created a kind of institutionalized killing machine. Hospital revenue is now tied to patients dying in hospital with the COVID label, whether it is true or false. The next section is COVID patients are overdrugged. Other countries are reporting similar trends. The Canadian press reports that COVID-19 patients are often given excessive doses of medications such as opioids, benzodiazepams, and anticholinergics, which can be lethal. In the UK, senior care homes have been accused of killing off COVID patients with midazolam, a powerful sedative. In April 2020, 38,352 out-of-hospital prescriptions for midazolam were issued, while the monthly average for the prior five years was only 15,000. Retired neurologist Dr. Patrick Policino told Mail Online, Quote, midazolam depresses respiration and it hastens death. It changes end-of-life care into euthanasia. At the end of 2021, the government of New Zealand approved, quote, voluntary euthanasia, unquote, for COVID patients by lethal injection if the doctor believed they were unlikely to recover. The doctor who performs the euthanasia gets paid $1,087 by the government. The next section is hospital incentives are deadly. The new focus in hospitals seems to be maximizing the death toll rather than saving lives. 
The COVID jabs are touted as the only way forward despite data from the U.S. Department of Defense that suggests these are causing unprecedented injuries and deaths. The Defense Medical Epidemiological Database, DMED, data was obtained by attorney Thomas Rents from the Department of Defense whistleblowers and was released on his website. He says that the numbers prove that the vaccines are injuring and sometimes killing the military. The public, however, still believes the marketing that claims they are, quote, safe and effective. Compared to the previous five-year averages, miscarriages were up 279% among DOD personnel in 2021. Breast cancer was up 487%, nervous system disorders 1,048%, male infertility 350%, female infertility 471%, ovarian dysfunction 437%, and on and on. As noted by Rents during the U.S. Senator Ron Johnson's COVID-19 a second opinion panel, quote, the whistleblower data, this DMED database, has provided a control group of sorts. Its military records dating back several years supply medical codes for various medical issues that our military personnel face, such as cancers, miscarriages, neurological disorders, and so on. These records were provided by three military doctors and showed a historical baseline of what the health of the American military was before 2021, the year the COVID vaccine was released. What you see is quite disturbing. From 2016 to 2020, medical conditions show little variation. But in 2021, when the vaccine was mandated, there was a spike in cancers, miscarriages, infertility, and other diseases. The increase was by factors of hundreds to thousands of percent. These vaccines are injuring and sometimes killing our military, and the public still believes the marketing that they are, quote, safe and effective. The next section is entitled, The Pentagon Immediately Claimed That There Was a, Quote, Glitch in Their Database. They said that the true numbers of diseases in the five years Rents was using as a baseline were far higher. If they were not lying to cover up the disaster, 2021 would look more typical. Major Charles Dietz, a task force public affairs officer for the DOD, claimed that the DMED was taken offline, quote, to identify and correct the root cause of the data corruption, unquote. Once the supposedly missing data medical diagnoses were added back in, the reported number of diseases and injuries for 2021 was 3% lower than 2020. That would give 2021 the lowest numbers in six years as reported by The Blaze. Quote, where these true numbers existed, why were, where these true numbers existed, why they weren't in the system for five years, and what exactly was in the system, and why the 2021 numbers were accurate according to the DOD account remains a mystery. However, one by one, the military public health officials have been adding back random numbers to the 2016 through 2020 codes. I'm told by Rents and two of the whistleblowers that during the past week, they have queried the same data again, and in most of the ICD categories, they've found that the numbers from 2016 through 20 were increased exponentially, making 2021 look normal. This has been done without any transparency, any press release, any statement of narrative, and sloppily. Their already unbelievable narrative is now entirely ridiculous. 
In addition to believing that every epidemiological report for five years was somehow completely tainted with false data, we would have to believe that the minute they discovered this from rents, they suddenly discovered the exact numbers. A five-year mistake fixed overnight. The next section is entitled, Incompetence, Corruption, Both, or Worse. Making this clown show even more indefensible is that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, which is ACIP, has admitted that they've been monitoring the DMED data from the start. If the Department of Defense just now discovered corrupted data in the DMED, then there's incompetence in its ranks. And if the ACIP was looking at the DMED data and kept pushing for vaccination despite alarming safety signals, then ACIP is criminally negligent. If there's nothing wrong with the database and the numbers rents initially obtained were accurate, then people within the DOD are falsifying data to cover up the COVID jab injuries and sacrificing our military to protect big pharma. If this happened, it could be interpreted as treason. As noted by Steve Kirsch, founder of the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund, the DOD's explanation for the discrepancy in its 2021 military injury statistic is riddled with holes. For example, they have never explained why the 2016 through 2020 data were affected, yet 2021 was not. Secondly, they've not explained how they were able to correct the, quote, underreporting of health problems from 2016 through 2020. How did they know there was underreporting, and why didn't they fix it early, earlier? Thirdly, and most importantly, Kirsch concludes, quote, only symptoms that were elevated by the vaccine were affected. A computer glitch can't have caused that. That makes their corruption explanation hard to explain, very hard to explain. The next section is Pfizer warns their investors. In its fourth quarter earnings release and risk disclosure, the company admits that, quote, the possibility of unfavorable new preclinical, clinical, or safety data, including by audit or inspection, could impact earnings. They also note the decline in public confidence, concerns about data integrity, and prescriber and pharmacy education as potential risks. They also acknowledge that COVID-19 might, quote, diminish in severity or prevalence or disappear entirely, unquote. And here's my comment about this. I know a personal protection guard who is being employed by Pfizer executives because they're having death death threats. The next section is called All-Cause Deaths Soared in 2021. Patient neglect, mistreatment, overtreatment, and the COVID jabs have resulted in massive disability and death. In early January 2022, One America, a national mutual health insurance company based in Indianapolis, reported the deaths among working-age Americans aged 18 to 64 as of the third quarter of 2021 were 40% higher than pre-pandemic rates, and they are not dying from COVID. In December 2021, Fortune magazine reported this as the highest life insurance payout increase in 100 years. Scott Davidson, the CEO of One America, said, quote, We are seeing right now the highest death rates we have ever seen in the history of this business, and not just at One America. The data is consistent across every player in our business. 
And what we saw in just the third quarter, we're seeing it continue into the fourth quarter, is that death rates are up 40% over what they were pre-pandemic. To give you an idea of how bad that is, a three sigma or a one in 200 year catastrophe would be only a 10% increase over pre-pandemic. So 40% is just unheard of. One America has simultaneously noticed an increase in disability claims. Initially, there was a rise in short-term claims, but now most claims are for long-term disabilities. The company expects the increase in claims to cost them well over $100 million, an unexpected expense that will be passed on to employers who buy group life insurance policies. The global insurance company has claims of $5.5 billion in the first nine months of 2021. This was when the COVID jabs were being aggressively rolled out. But during all of 2020, the height of the pandemic, the claims were only $3.5 billion. According to one insurance broker cited by Reuters, the industry was caught off guard because they thought the mass vaccination campaign would result in lower payouts in 2021. Reuters also reports that the Dutch insurer, Aegon, which does two-thirds of its business in the U.S., saw the U.S. claims rise from $31 million in 2020 to $111 million in 2021. U.S. insurers MetLife and Prudential Financial also reported an increase in claims for 2021 compared to 2020 in the pre-pandemic years. Reinsurer Munich Re raised its 2021 estimate of COVID-19 life and health claims from 400 million euros to 600 million euros. The next section is, if COVID is treated immediately and aggressively as an outpatient, it is just an ordinary flu. This is not the time to go to the hospital unless your life depends on it. You cannot count on them to treat you properly as you could in the past. If you trust them, you could end up dead. Your best alternative is to be prepared. Create a COVID survival kit, much like you would a tornado or hurricane kit, so you can treat yourself at first symptoms. Perhaps you just have a common cold or regular influenza. Maybe it's the much milder Omicron, but it's hard to tell them apart. You must treat all cold flu symptoms like you would treat early COVID. Remember, this applies to those who've gotten the jab as well, since it does not prevent infection. It may even make you more vulnerable. Effective treatment protocols include the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance's Prevention and Early At-Home Treatment Protocol. They also have an in-hospital protocol and long-term management guidance for long-haul COVID-19 syndrome. You can find a listing of doctors who can prescribe ivermectin and other necessary medicines at the FLCCC website. The AAPS Protocol. Tess Lowry's World Council for Health Protocol, America's Frontline Doctors, and I'll leave these in the show notes. Thank you.